The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sunjog All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjog All. Hello and uh, welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. And as always, we invite you to join the discussion on Twitter, hashtag CTR Live, and look for this show as hashtag management and hashtag omnichannel. Today's topic is how to become a customer chaperone. And, uh, and our guest for today's show is Gordon Gordon who is the Executive Vice President and Chief Information Officer with Selective Insurance. How are you, Gordon? I'm terrific this morning. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Now, we, as we know, we go about, as a customer, going to different service providers or anyone who provides us value, but we have our own journey. We may start with them and, again, stop and go different directions. All of that happens, but all along there is an intention from the service provider or the value provider in this case to keep us informed about what they are doing, keep in touch so that whenever we have a need, they are the first one who are top of mind and we go back to them. So in a way, we have to play like a chaperone in the, during that customer journey. So we'd like to explore that in the light of what is being done. We have tried technology, we've got people, we've got processes that we are deploying, but how well are we doing it so that customers simply don't walk away? So that said, uh, Gordon, the first question is about the journey that a customer experienced or the way they were going about their journey, say a decade ago versus now. What, are, what, what was the difference in the journey and secondly, what is the expectation they had earlier from the value provider versus now? Yeah, I think uh, it's interesting. There's a, a couple of fundamental things that have changed over the last uh, you know decade, and the changes are happening uh, more rapidly each year we go along. If I look back 10 years or plus ago, uh, customers interacted with uh, their providers predominantly in the way that the providers defined. It was the providers that had access to information. The customers were a bit constrained on how they could interact with a, with a value provider. Uh, today, as we fast forward, uh, I'd say one of the great equalizers is the customer has access to all sorts of information. Customers are much more uh, familiar with and comfortable with interacting on the Internet to do their own research, to become educated buyers. Um, given that uh, type of uh, thought pattern, uh, they have very much matured to the point where I believe most customers want to do business uh, in a way that's easy for them. They want to interact with us how they want to interact and when they want to interact. So I think the dynamics have shifted. The, the, the customer has a lot more control over the interaction and has a lot higher expectation. 
And the fact that the customer has a lot higher expectation, it is because that we have delivered or somehow that has increased because the rest of the world is just simply becoming more demanding. And is that, is that something that, can you satiate that appetite like completely, ever? Well, or are you playing catch-up? Well, yeah, a couple things. And it, it varies by industry. Again, in the past, we probably did more comparisons uh, when we did comparisons to other com- natural competitors, I would say, industry type of competition. But people like Amazon and Google and uh, other Internet uh, providers basically uh, change the dynamic, whereas uh, customers ask, why can't all of the businesses I interact with provide me the type of experience that ones that I like provide? So I'll use Amazon as the example. Uh, they generally get very high marks for uh, anticipating things that you need, looking at your patterns and your preferences, and providing the type of chaperone support. They're there when you need them, and you're comfortable uh, with that, so you like interacting with Amazon. I believe the competitive landscape for us has changed. We can't be comparing ourselves to the industry. We have to compare ourselves to the best providers that the customer interacts with. I think that's been the uh, single uh, item that has raised customers' expectations on what it should be like to interact with providers. So interestingly, you mentioned Amazon or any other provider. They have leveraged technology to be able to anticipate and start showing you banner ads and or anything that you do. In fact, sometimes it is an eerie feeling that I'm thinking about something and I see similar ads showing up. So this is becoming something like um, out of this world. It's almost like an alien trying to track you down and trying to sell you something. So if you try to deploy such uh, technology or such tactics it could, in a way, have a, a counterproductive uh, impact on, on the way a customer would feel about you as a value provider, and they would feel that they're being stalked, and they may even turn away to somebody else who's not basically haunting them every time. And if you are totally going to get too far removed, then it is a potential, and that's why in the first place you started coming close to them is because they must be defecting. So what's that balance? What, what is your strategically, what's the balance we should uh, strike here? Well, yeah, the, the, the balance is you can't, it, it's a fine line, um, as you suggest, that you can't become um, intrusive. You have to balance the support, the anticipation, uh, knowing what their preferences are, and balancing so that you're there uh, when you when they need you, uh, not there when you just want to be there. Um, uh, I have an, I have examples of things that are that are very good in uh, in our experience. Of folks are interested in getting proactive information if it's something that is of that they see as of value or something that they didn't have or wouldn't have had the time to research. Uh, so in our industry, it may be things uh, like when we monitor, monitor weather patterns that know that some of our clients could be at risk because of upcoming weather patterns and sending them some reminders of things that they can do uh, is a very good, proactive, well-received type of uh, interaction. Uh, on the other hand, I have a provider that provides me individually some very good product, uh, but I get an email from them almost every day. Uh, and they've gone to the point uh, uh, that I don't look at expanding my relationship with them. Uh, the thing that they do exceptionally well, I, I will make the choice of when I want to interact, but I disconnect from the channel that they are uh, really trying to pull me in through. 
because so you they, would... they've overdone it. So you have to. It's a, it's a very fine line balance, and I think one of the key things is to really understand your uh, customers' preferences, habits, behaviors, and really try to uh, think of it in terms of servicing them and having their best interest at heart. So the way you explained it, that while people learn the art of reaching out to those individuals who are thinking about purchasing something or investing somewhere, and you're able to start showing them, but perhaps they have become over-aggressive or, or they're uh, trying to come way too close. So is there no learning related to that? Or have there been any uh, lessons learned and some, some best practices that have been established to say, yes, I want to be a chaperone, but I don't want to go and nudge you every moment? Uh, yes, the, I don't know if I'd, I'd call them standards, but more in the in the best practices. The things that you need to look at are what are the what are the critical touch points for like every business they might be different, but understanding the critical touch points that a customer has, whether it's in an acquisition phase or in a in a servicing phase, what are the critical touch points? Focus on the critical touch points and what the value is to the customer. If you start with that uh, that mindset, uh, you would uh, reduce the risk of getting into one of those in- intrusive modes, I would suggest. So you would test? Is that what you're saying, that you would try to come close, you'll try to test the waters and see at what point they start turning away and start showing signs? Are there any signs that you can inventory here to say, okay, this is telling us that the customer is not liking that that close pursuit? Um, in our industry, the uh, we try to um, uh, we try to um, err on the not approaching the line. We we've been more conservative, um, so we look at um, leading indicators on service experiences. And I know everyone's very familiar with Net Promoter Scores, uh, and we monitor those very closely on correlated activities that are natural for us to interact with our customer on. So uh, we have not, we've intentionally not been too aggressive on that, and we, we monitor through NPSs of those uh, critical touch points uh, to uh, refine our, our process. So um, it's... Uh, there is a there is a lot involved. It's not an easy task. It's a difficult task because there's there's data analytics, there's preferences, there's uh, really understanding the the customer and and their interactions to uh, order not in order for you to be uh, sure that you don't push it too too far. What we would see what we would see as a drop off of us being too persistent is that we would have less of a response rate on uh, any of the survey and follow-up I- uh, items that we do because we're constantly, as you say, testing. We want to find out if, if what we're doing is giving them the type of experience that they need. Uh, and fortunately for us, we have not, uh, we have not seen a, a decline at all. We've actually seen uh, we have very good consistently high uptake in that area. So the, all the discussion that we've had like in this segment, has been about finding out what they need or or how they're responding is by touching them. And that's more like pushing just to see how they react to any message that's put out there or any touch point. Are there any, you know, not touching them and still getting a feeling based on whatever else you can do to, to ensure that they get a feeling, the warm and fuzzy feeling of a chaperone being there but not coming and nudging them? So how do you not touch them and still get that feeling? Is that even possible? Has that even been tried? Uh, uh, that's a, that's an, interesting, uh, an interesting idea. Some of, the, uh, some of the things that we've looked at and, and I've looked at is the, um, 
there's stuff that you can analyze on uh, you know the vast amount of social media that's out there that can give you some insights but it's hard to uh, understand the direct uh, response uh, if you haven't had some form of touchpoint. Uh, you can do the uh, targeted marketing uh, type of activity, uh, but as uh, in our business model, that that is uh, is a very uh, more of a personal uh, type of connection to our distribution channels. Uh, we don't uh, we don't get overly uh, aggressive on that, so it's. It's very. It's a, I think it's a challenge uh, to uh, understand how they're feeling if you don't have a touch point. But you can gather. You can gather data and analyze the patterns. Um, and to date, uh, my experience is I haven't been able to have uh, you know specific outcomes uh, that I would take and make any changes from that analysis so far. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back and talk about the designing of a customer journey, which could be based on some commonalities that we find in a customer behavior. So we get them from all walks of life and at all levels of relationship. So can you create a mass-customized customer journey, which basically makes everyone feel that they have a personalized chaperone assigned to them, and that will give them give the company which is trying to do or make this investment the desired output and get the customer customer retention. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Uh, and uh, please stay tuned. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to HP.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Joke All. Welcome back. So, let me talk about the common denominators of a customer uh, whims, fancies, or expectations. Are there any? Because if you are trying to take your whole organization and all customers that you've ever acquired, they definitely come from different walks of life. And if you wanted to design a customer journey, which would be really almost like personalized to every one of them, there has to be some basis. What 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 is that? Do you have a magic formula, Gordon? Well, uh, yeah, there's there's no there's no silver bullet on anything, but the uh, we talked a little bit about the uh, critical touch points or moments of truth that you have with a customer, and every every industry has those. As you take a look at for the uh, you know the things like uh, mass customization or making their 
journey specific to them. Uh, the things that we have to to look at are um, some common factors of uh, what is mo- the most value in the relationship for the customer. Uh, what are the things that occur most frequently? That's generally where you want to start. Um, the other areas that you have to take a look at is just it, it's kind of basics, but you want to make uh, you want to make it effortless, um, regardless of the individual. If it's easier for them to do uh, the interaction with you, regardless of what the interaction is, make it effortless for them um, is number one. Uh, the other factors you're looking for is you want to create a positive emotional connection uh, with the customer. It has to, it has their interactions. They have to resonate emotionally, otherwise you don't get the uh, type of retention, the type of repeat type of business that you're looking for. Um, Another concept that we use in order to make this is you have to look at the different customers and look at the different points of, uh, you know, get, making sure that the customer feels that they are in control. Try to put them in control as much as possible. Um, and uh, one of the examples that I've, uh, that I can use on that is, uh, just basic things around queue time. If people happen to choose to go in to a phone call and, and, and call a service center, uh, it's very important to uh, express how much wait time there is. There was a study done in a different industry. It was, uh, it was a Disney study that you know what the Disney lineup is like when you're queuing in for the rides. Uh, and a little experiment was done. If people um, did not have any idea of how long the wait was, their perception of the length of the wait was significantly longer than people who had a definition of what the wait was, even if the wait time wasn't uh, wasn't any longer because they were aware of the time. They felt like they were in more control. They could step out of the line if they wanted to or not. So it's a, it's a very simple element, but it's an example of uh, putting the customer in control. And the last item that we look at as a main parameter is around the uh, you know being a customer advocate. Uh, that's a that's a that's a very important part. So that you you can do uh, when you do have those interactions, uh, whether they're customer initiated or something that you're proactively doing. Uh, if you do it as a customer advocate, giving them information that's valuable to them or suggestions that are valuable to them are 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 key. And that's where you need to have an understanding of your customer because not 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 all things are are equal to all customers. So it's interesting you bring up this phrase customer advocate. So one is to call it a corporate speak. Another is to become a mindset and a culture across all touch points because you can put all the technology or anyone for that matter can put all the technology and all the processes, but the people who are basically creating that touch point, talking to them or responding to an email or, or in whatever way they're trying to solve their problems, if they feel that the interest of a customer is above their own, then the, the way they would respond and the way they will emote would be entirely different than someone who's saying, okay, I got a quota for myself to sell those many widgets or, or sell and, and somehow detain this person by throwing a deal. How do you, how do you manage that portion, the execution where the, the feet on the street? Yeah, I agree with you completely that you have to have engaged employees who are properly trained, equipped, and authorized to do the right thing by our customers. It's basically the, the crux of being successful. Uh, you know, technology is nice, but if you don't have the, the people side of it, it it's not going to work. Uh, we have a basic motto, uh, hire for attitude, train for skill. And it's kind of, I think, of you know, NBA players. You, you can't train height. Uh, so we, we like to... 
you know, we, you don't train someone to care. Uh, you can give them specifics about our industry and our business, but, the, but we basically hire for that attitude and that service orientation. Uh, we actually have gone to the point that we treat as part of our uh, normal culture as we treat uh, others within our company as customers. I'm an IT person, so it's, it's relatively easy to me. I'm a service provider, not only to help enable things for our customer, but for the other uh, departments within uh, Selective. So they are my customers. I need everyone in IT to have that customer-centric uh, view. Uh, we're not here just for the sake of the, of the technology. We have to provide service and value to our customers, whether they're internal or external. So I, I would agree with you. We have uh, specific training, hiring practices, and reward systems for uh, having the uh, service orientation and putting the customer first. So you use this, uh, you know, phrases hired for attitude and trained for skill. How about also adding required to have fun while doing so? Because if you see, there are many organizations who have shown a stellar. Uh, returns on what they invested in, that is where they are not just focusing on meeting a customer expectation, but actually exceeding them in the way they have done it is by having every employee just go and have fun and make the decision right then and there versus govern un- under a single uh, a monolithic approach to say, okay, this is the situation, this is what you do as a robot. How do you, how do you in- instill such a a fun attitude besides just to training them on skills and the processes and also just hiring them for the attitude? Well, the, some of the things that I've, I've done in the past is you can, you, can, you can model things. You can go and review things. You can go look at people outside of your industry. So I, I did the Zappos tour a, lo- a long time ago. I didn't buy the new pair of shoes. I think my wife got those. But uh, the, anyway, the I have a I have a personal belief. If uh, you're not going to have fun, you know why why bother do it? So uh, I, I think the the thing you have to do is it, it starts with the executive in our company and flows all the way through. You have to enjoy what you're doing. You have to have fun while you're doing it, and uh, you can you can look at outside folks and see uh, specific uh, examples of a culture where where people have fun. Uh, that that is definitely not going to have a negative impact on any of your customer interactions because that that kind of shines through when uh, if people are having fun, they're enjoying the work. The interactions become more positive. And do you think that is? that is consistent across all touch points and is there a way while while I'm asking to kind of do the impossible sometimes is that every moment there will be someone in the best of their attitudes whenever they touch a customer there may be some fallouts but that doesn't mean that we do not do majority of the time are how are you able to ensure that yeah the uh, there the, there's a concept of uh, the moments that matter and what are the responses uh, that you need to have in those moments of matter uh, moments that matter and we have um as I say, we have a reward system, but we have a recognition uh, system on on how we can improve. We 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 understand the information. We understand. We get a lot of feedback from our distribution partners and our customers on how well we're doing, and we have a we have a very constant uh, feedback loop. That uh, a, even if we did something great yesterday, if we don't keep improving uh, comparatively, we will fall behind. So it has to be a consistent feedback loop and we look at it at on on every touch point and you know we're not consistently uh excellent at every one but the ones that we aren't uh where we want to be uh it's you know more training more uh you know more commitment uh, to 
to doing it and supporting it. So um, it is a cultural, you hit on the, the, the very important part, that it has to be a cultural part of the organization. Now, one is to say, okay, we are going to be, as a chaperone, just we will be attentive, we will always keep an eye and maintain focus, and we'll be courteous. But at the same time, that makes it more subservient versus a person of equal stature who also commands respect. How do you get respect out of a customer? Uh, we, we tend to gain the respect by uh, specifically being, in our industry, specifically being for them, being there for them when they need us. There's points of time where um, our customer, because we're in the insurance industry, if somebody's got a claim, that's a that's an emotional uh, transaction. It's something where they, uh, you know, we can reach out, or when they reach out to us, we can be proactively helpful for them in their time of need. So, so we gain uh, that trust that level of partnership, if you will, we get elevated uh, by uh, providing them value and being there for them uh, when they need it, uh, when they want us. We always have to be there, and uh, that, is a good, that is a good foundation for us to be able to uh, offer some of the other touch points and, and give them some other information that uh, you know, improves the loyalty and the, the consistency of dealing with us. Now, when you look at the people who are also deploying omni-channel capabilities and many of your same philosophies and theories and, and, and processes that you just explained in, in an insurance industry. So let's talk about competitive landscape. You do it, your competitor does it. What's the difference? Oh, yeah, so we both do it. Uh, we all don't do it uh, equally uh, as well. Um, some of us have different uh, models. The way we try to differentiate ourselves is in how we um, organize and deploy the people to provide uh, the level of uh, chaperone and, and experience both uh, or support from both our um, distribution partners and our end customers. Uh, it's, it's basically a competitive game uh, like anything else. Like we all have products and services that we offer, and the folks that tend to do it better uh, tend to get, get the results. So, um, yeah, do we do? Uh, yeah, do our other competitors do this? Sure, there's lots of insurance carriers that use MPS. There are some that are moving, uh, have made further moves towards uh, customer experience, if you will, or customer centricity from product centricity. But I think everybody is in a journey, and it's a journey that never ends. Uh, so it's a it's a it's a constantly uh, competitive landscape. Uh, and uh, you know we always strive to be uh, as good as we can be, and we acknowledge our competitors who are who are doing well. We have nothing, you know, a good competitive uh, landscape is not is not a bad thing. It's a, it's a, it's a very good thing, and we even go to the point from being the customer advocate if there's something that we think it's more appropriate for them to. Uh, deal with uh, with one of our competitors because there may be a specific product or a unique situation where it uh, might be in their best interest to uh, to use one of our competitors, that's not really a problem for us. Now let's talk about cost versus value. So we know that in insurance, that the word insurance as soon as it comes, we say, yes, we need the peace of mind, but we also want to pay the least. How do you through your ability to create that or becoming a chaperone, you're able to get them to see or, or focus more on value. That way you are not just un, are going into that prize war across competition and, and customer doesn't win anyways because then you'll be forced to cut corners. So how do you, how do you shift focus off a customer on yeah, value versus thinking a cost? 
Well, that's our that, yes. We there's basically different. Um, you know, there's different there's different buyers, as you say. There's different customers, things that are are more important. Uh, a customer who is exclusively going to focus on the uh, lowest price may not be somebody that we can help as much and provide as much value to. Uh, the way we do it is through education. We want people to understand for what you're paying. You know, what are your coverages? You know, I'm sure people are. You know. They, they, there's more than enough insurance commercials on TV for for folks to get the idea that there are different levels of coverage and different uh, different values that are associated with those coverages and products. And we uh, we attack that through uh, through education because we want the customer to be uh, informed of what they are getting and and help them make the right decision for themselves. Now, given that you you spent your uh, you know majority of your professional career, it seems like in in the insurance industry, and now you are at the uh, at the top uh, in at Selective. So let's take a quick break. We come back and let's hear some of your experiences of what has worked versus what has not. And of course, you've dealt with technology at different levels. But beyond technology, are there any other things that have actually made a difference? And if yes, in what way were they? De- you know, deploy it in order for them to have the most impacts. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to HP.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, Gordon, you definitely have paid your dues in this field and have seen things being tried and some working, others haven't. And then beyond technology, beyond the plumbing, if you will, the culture and everything else. Yes, we discussed them uh, like throughout this previous segments. Now, specifically, do you see as like macro trends wearing the hat of an analyst? Yes, and yeah, some of the the basic macro trends. Everyone knows the the customer demographics are are changing. Um, so the uh, expectations of the newer customers are very different. So they're evolving, and the pace of that change is accelerating. Um, I can use my daughter as a specific example. Uh, she basically chooses some of her providers based on what they can or can't do for her electronically. So the the way that they can interact with her uh, towards her preferences, she will actually make a choice of who she does business with, and I think there's more and more of that 
coming about. So the the big trends, uh, the the big macro level trends, as we're getting a shift of, of um, the demographics of the customers, the evolution, the speed with which technology and corresponding expectations changes just continuing to accelerate. Uh, I think everyone will probably, uh, I don't know if they realize or think about it, but today will be the slowest day for the rest of your life of the pace of technology change. The, the technology change today is the slowest you'll experience from now to the rest of your life because it continues to accelerate. Um, so thinking in terms of those threads, one of the, some of the things, yeah, the plumbing versus messages and those sorts of stuff, you have to have the plumbing, you have to have the ability to do this in order to compete uh, because the messages and how you interact are becoming more and more critical. Uh, so some of the, some of the best practices uh, that can really help outside of getting the technology and doing those things is... Uh, Basically, it's, one, it's, a, it's a very basic one that I don't know if everyone has all has uh, you know taken on to the level that they may need to, and that is the, the customer focus groups. I think retail shops and there are certain buying, uh, there are certain industries that are very good at customer focus groups, uh, but every industry I believe needs to be uh, much better at dealing with customer focus groups in order to stay uh, current with the, with the pace of change because those focus groups, if you refresh them and deal with them properly, you will get to uh, have a little better insight into the, some of the shifting expectations of the, of the customers. Um, we've already talked a little bit about aligning in an organization must align the people in the process to be focused on customer service and customer expectations. Um, that's, I think, uh, fairly straightforward. We've uh, discovered that. Uh, some of the other things that um, are, uh, in my view, a, a best practice around uh, this type of um, challenge or opportunity is in the world of technology. Uh, there's a there's a couple of terms. One is called um, uh, evolutionary prototyping and uh, the discovery type of it's exploratory or evolutionary uh, because of the pace of change. Uh, we have very limited opportunity to do a complete exploratory pro- prototype, so we have to be more flexible. Things are moving more into evolutionary patterns, being able to get something in and then adjusting it quickly. So the, the, the mindset and speed with which things have to happen it has to increase. And so the shift away from exploratory, spending a lot of time doing exploratory work, is moving so you have to do more evolutionary work. And on a, I guess the last high-level one is uh, when you're going down this path, you're thinking of embarking on this path, there are some key definitions that you have to define up front. If you can't, don't put your key def- definitions of what do you mean by a customer? What do you mean uh, by providing uh, service? What's a, what's a prospect? What's a lead? What's a customer? What are your service objectives? And if you don't define those out and have your evolutionary work be outcome-oriented, uh, you're going to be playing uh, catch-up for a long time. What has not worked? What problems are you still trying to crack in this uh, becoming a chaperone and, and customer retention and bringing them back? Um, the, I guess one of the things that we still... Um, still have to work with and work on every day is because of what I mentioned before on the, the change and the pace of technology of uh, making sure that we um, invest appropriately to stay uh, and keep pace. 
it's 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 a fine balance. It's a it's a hard thing to crack because you can always feel like you're you're behind. So you need to have that discipline to consistently uh, invest and know that it's an ongoing, long-term uh, type of situation. I, I think back historically, because I perhaps have been around too long, that when the Software Engineering Institute came out with you know, CMM levels 1 to 5, everyone thought it was a great, uh, a great idea, and it is a great idea. Uh, but some folks started on the journey and got to level one and level two and said, I'm not seeing what the return of this is. And they may have stopped short when the first set of benefits really appeared at level three. So one of the things going in, you have to understand the level of investment and commitment that you're going to need to make. Uh, you can't, uh, you, you, you can't back out of it because if you do, it will, you'll get further behind. But see, see, think about someone who's holding the purse strings. Resources yep. are anyway scarce. So they have to feel convinced. And you're not going to be able to do a sell job as someone who is trying to say, I'm, a, um, I'm an advocate of, of investing in becoming a chaperone. So what is it that is bought, being bought versus you trying to sell to the people who are opening up the purse strings? Yeah, to my view, it's the there's a couple of basic arguments that the thing that I try to to sell and I don't think is disputed is um, the cost of acquiring a new customer is more than the cost of retaining an existing one. Um, so we need to make sure that we are retaining our customers, so we have a focus on the service and being the chaperone to help our existing customers is one of our base tenants and where we started. Um, Using the positive learnings that come out of that, and you know, obviously, learning any learning, whether things worked or didn't work, and applying that for new customers uh, is basically the the winning model. And doing it in, in my opinion, and it's the winning model to do that to say, okay, I can invest small amounts, I can target at specific outcomes for acquiring new customers. Here's how we'd go about doing it. Um, and uh, that is, I'd say, in, in my time here, uh, our our shift is moving more in that direction because we've we've had learnings on the the service side. So the uh, we're shifting a bit, but we're going to do it in an evolutionary um, fashion because you can't go to someone who's asked you know that you're going to ask for money for to give me a huge load of money without uh, having a a pretty good idea of the return. So I see these things happening in much uh, smaller investment amounts for specifically targeted outcomes. Go ahead. I said that's what I mean by the evolutionary side of things as opposed to doing a, a deep exploration and come up with a five-year plan on how this is going to happen. Those days are pretty much gone because things change too quickly. So you do get some money initially or seed money to be able to show some quick wins. And if somebody was to create a playbook to say, okay, this is how you go about uh, creating that customer journey, which would be the first few that you would ask the seed money for? Yeah, first is basically doing the, uh, what I would call the, if I go back to when I first started doing this, is you, if you haven't started this journey yet, you've got to get the basic seed money to do um, uh, do the definitional work around what you mean uh, by a customer, what your objectives are for uh, becoming uh, the chaperone, what are the specific outcomes, and one of the under then identify the underlying foundational pieces that you need regardless of what the specifics are going to be. So, for example, if you're a technology person, having a clear view of your customer and all of your interactions with the customer 
whether using an MDM technology or CRM, whatever technology choice, there's more than enough technology out there. You need to get down to what is the, uh, what I call minimum necessary and sufficient funding for a foundational piece to get those initial definitions in the first exploration underway. And that's been successful for me uh, here and uh, elsewhere in my career. When it comes to the people, uh, when you do mention that, of course, they will have to be trained and, and skilled and allowed to have fun, what challenges that you see people have in being able to embrace something new? Because people came or, or most people come to say, okay, I'm going to be trained on something. There will be some processes. And, and on top, you want them to be creative. Not everybody is creative or, and, and they don't think very quickly on their feet either. How do you how do you condense? Do you just say okay, these X number of people who are being uh, screened, if you will, to be creative and be able to think on their feet and have the right attitude to be only touching the customer directly? Well, we have uh, we want the folks that touch our customer to have that level of enthusiasm. So uh, we've we've been fortunate that we have uh, a, a lot of people that have that excitement because. Um, they're aware, everyone in our organization here is aware that the customers are the ones that are providing uh, the revenue to keep people here employed and doing the things that they love to do. So uh, that hasn't been as much of a, a challenge for us. With with uh, time and the demand shifting, we have to constantly uh, refresh people. And as the insurance industry matures, uh, we have very specific programs as we target because people roll into, you know, they're eligible for retirement, and we have a very specific programs that targeting uh, folks to uh, be coming into the organization that are, uh, you know, trained from ground one into uh, into what we want to do. So it's, uh, it's uh, we have a very tight relationship with our human resources department, our training programs, our recruiting programs are all all tied in together with this in mind. And when it comes to policies and processes, any specific areas that you feel are the key to observe and fine-tune on a regular basis in order to deliver that chaperone experience? Uh, well, we're constantly... The, some of the things we have to monitor, Just uh, we're a regulated industry, so there's a bunch of uh, there's regulations that uh, we obviously have to uh, keep track of and refresh anything that is, is regulated by the state or the, the federal government. Uh, so those are just natural, and everybody has different degrees of, of that to deal with. On things that we look at ourselves is um, are around the, um, on a policy side, uh, the things that have been more dynamic uh, lately are things around how we deal with um, uh, security. There's a, obviously a, a heightened uh, sense of cyber uh, security, so we have to look at uh, policies that are fairly regularly, and the government is getting very actively involved in those sorts of things. Uh, social media is a dynamic uh, uh, element that we have to look at a little more frequently, but uh, most of our other our policies, uh, we review them on a on a regular, on an annual basis. Anyway, all of our policies are reviewed on an annual basis. Regularly, there's a couple we may do spot checks for uh, because we have regular uh, calls and update with uh, regulators and uh, uh, other other industry type groups uh, to get any insights as to where we may look. Uh, more frequently than annually, but uh, lately the only one that's been hitting a very, very frequent uh, review at that we haven't had to change our policy. It's been more uh, making sure that we're staying current with all the underlying processes is 
is uh, the world of cybersecurity. And that has a play in this because folks want to be connecting us. We have to keep them secure, whether they're going through customer self-service on the web, whether they're coming through mobile app or calling our contact centers or dropping into the office. We, we, need, to, we need to, you know, protect them. Now, uh, let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back and, and look at from two different hats. One is you being the CIO, so you have to handle the technology, the plumbing, and the information integrity that flows. And on the other hand, you have the business counterparts, like the business unit leaders who may be responsible for customer experience. They may want innovation by the minute. And there would be things which they would like to try on a regular basis and be able to go beyond what you have available today. So you need almost like a two-speed technology department. What is it that is expected fundamentally from technology department and technology leaders and your deputies so that the business can move forward, the business can be seen as a chaperone to the customers? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to HP.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So you as the CIO, your business unit leader who may be in charge for customer experience and the CEO who has been charged to make sure the company moves forward. Everybody would have their own agenda. What has been expected from each party in order for the business, the organization to deliver that chaperone effect? Yeah, and uh, yes, we have a um, we have someone that is we have an executive responsible for customer experience. So that is uh, that that helps because um, that uh, person is accountable for making uh, customer experience decisions on prioritization and, and driving things. Uh, our CEO and COO are, uh, they basically are strategic supporters of this. Uh, their basic bottom line is we would like to have uh, seamless customer interaction on any 7 by 24 through whatever means they choose to interact with us. So that's the, so the highest level executive is yeah, we want to interact with the customer when they want, how they want. Uh, Seven twenty-four. Uh, thank you. Go ahead. Uh, and then the uh, the 
the uh, customer um, experience person uh, basically flushes down into more details. They're basically prioritizing uh, the different things that we can do, making sure that we're consistent across all channels. There's there's areas where we may lag in one. It's uh, a lot of their work is uh, a lot of her request is we have to be providing a consistent experience across all the channels. Uh, in my world, it translates into, um, I'm sure everyone is comfortable or familiar with the uh, speed uh, term of two-speed IT. Like there's the, you know, the business folks would say there's the, there's the slow IT and then there's the slower IT, but we like to think of it as we have the risk-adjusted IT stuff doing the large infrastructure type things. And then we, have to have a, we do have to have a second speed uh, that's faster, that's more nimble and, and, and delivering with customer demands because we basically have on a CXP perspective, we do mobile updates, like updates to our mobile app and our web services, our customer self-service, are constantly being updated. So we have a cycle time that's much faster. So uh, where I think people are familiar with the two-speed uh, IT cycle time, uh, I'm thinking we're almost at a third one. I think the business would like us to have uh, fast and then faster as our other speed. So uh, the way that we do that is we organize, we have a support. I have an executive who reports directly to me who is the point person for all customer experience stuff. And they, uh, we have people that are organized as cross-functional teams across wherever we need in the organization to deliver on CXP at the rate of speed. And there are CXP-related deliveries happening all the time. So uh, those are the kind of the three things, like from the top, the CEO wants it, uh, you know, across 7 by 24, you know, what and when the customer wants. Uh, the business unit lead who's responsible for this wants consistency and uh, continued improvement. And then my, my role is to, uh, to uh, provide all of that and deliver it at, uh, at the appropriate rate of speed. Now, from a leadership, so you mentioned that you've got expectations. So what have you seen, uh, you know, going wrong and or being not done exactly the way it should be from a leader standpoint? Because you, of course, are going to set the vision and then you would like to be, uh, you'd like to see your deputies executing to that vision while still becoming the leaders who lead from the middle in order for that whole organization to be synchronized and give that consistent experience. What 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 are the pitfalls and and where do you think people make mistakes? Um, again, we have to. One of the things that uh, uh, we have to do a good job of that comes from a leadership perspective is to uh, set and align on reasonable expectations. Uh, and I think that's uh, uh, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we may get may get out of sync as to whether it's. How quickly or how uh, comprehensively something can be done at speed? There, there's always trade-offs, and one of the things that I think is very important from a leadership perspective is to stay uh, consistently aligned around reasonable expectations. Uh, make sure we stay outcome-focused, and uh, make sure we're 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 balancing the the speed with the risk. And I think that's uh, I think we have learned over the the time that I'm here. We're we, we can. We've gotten better at that, but we can always get better uh, at that. If you were to review the journeys that you may have had yourself, your deputies may have had, or the people who you know in the industry, what would you suggest to be done differently if that was journey was to be uh, experienced again in terms of developing this customer chaperone effect? 
Well, I think the, 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 the basic shift, the things that uh, for people that are embarking or if we could go back and do it again, um, the shift of becoming customer-centric from product centricity is, a very, is very important to understand uh, the limitations of some of the historical, call them legacy applications or legacy environment. Uh, there has to be, uh, it would be, uh, it would have been, Fantastic if everyone had a true appreciation uh, for anticipating uh, the rate of change so that there could have been some ongoing smaller investments. Um, as you talk about like a decade ago or 15 years ago, it's very hard uh, to predict, but I think I've seen a couple of places where things have uh, struggled or taken longer or not delivered the result is because there's been a, a little bit of a, a gap in that in making sure you're always looking forward and uh, making sure you're doing uh, uh, having an appreciation for what the implications of what the implications are for becoming customer centric because it touches down, we've already talked about the process, it touches the people, it touches investments, it touches uh, the technology, uh, so it hits every part of an organization. So having a better understanding, take a little bit more time up, up front uh, understanding all of those uh, pieces so that you can make evolutionary progress would be, um, uh, would be my recommendation. Uh, trying, to, trying to bite off too much uh, too fast is not a... Uh, not the not the best approach in my mind. So, if you were to give an advice to the the leader, like the CEO of a company, a fellow CIO in another company, or even the people who are at the very, uh, like you know, at, at the level where they are touching the customers, what would be your uh, advice to each one of them in order for this to uh, be the best journey possible for them, and in the process they offer that chaperon effect to the customer? Well, uh, that's, a, that's a very that's a very good question. It's an interesting question. Um, the the things that I uh, think of with with anything that I believe is transformational or a significant change, uh, it's to uh, always approach things with the mindset of uh, figuring out how we can get something done, as opposed to raising uh, reasons why it can't be done. Uh, so it's I, I would say taking the if I can call it the half glass full or the optimistic attitude of of hey we can discover we can we can get this done um, that's probably been one of the that would be one of the things that I would get alignment on to say hey this is this is something getting that importance to the organization that this really is important to our future getting that alignment up early which fortunately we have here uh, and then getting you know making sure it filters down through the organization that uh, yeah, we always have to take this with an idea of, of how, how can we get these things done. On behalf of the show and our listeners, I'd really like to thank you, Gordon, for sharing your thoughts on how organizations can fundamentally rethink what's possible, the positive attitude that you just mentioned, and also refine the different processes they have, the type of people they choose, and have a common agenda, which is to provide the very best experience to the customers at all touch points. And hopefully that will result in you as an organization be seen as a customer chaperone. Thank you so much again, Gordon. Oh, thank you. You're very welcome. I appreciate the time to uh, talk with you today. Have a great day. You too. And uh, listeners, please like us on Facebook. Search for CIO Talk Radio. Please be sure to follow us on Twitter. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, 
please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Please join Sun Joke All next Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Central Time, and 10 a.m. Eastern Time for another hour of CIO Talk Radio on the Voice America Business Channel. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.